It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. So thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Good Monday to you all. Welcome in Andrew Coppins, Pat Oni. It is Critical Thinking. Hopefully every one of you had a great Labor Day weekend celebrating not being a communist like we did. Um, and, and then hopefully you enjoyed the week off from the show. Um, I know sometimes the show can get heavy, and I know that we enjoyed the week off. So thank you for affording us that opportunity, and thank you for coming back. Um, now, Pat, I have a question. Since you're away, um, how does it feel to be a domestic terrorist? I have a question on that before I answer that. Yeah. How am I a domestic terrorist exactly? Well, you see, according to our uh, president and now vice president, um, anybody who voted for Donald Trump is a domestic enemy. But I thought you had to be MAGA forever to be considered domestic terrorist. Oh, you mean the um, the the walking back, the moonwalking that Joe Biden tried to do um, after giving the single worst speech, the most insidious, dangerous, violent speech a president has ever given in this country's history. And and mind you, uh, this president is supposed to be the great unifier, and I don't know that there's ever been a more divisive speech ever given. Now, you would think, Pat, after a week of dealing with backlash for basically calling anybody who happens to politically think different than him, or more importantly, his speechwriters and the hangers-on around the White House— a.k.a. the the Marxists. Because this is 
the Marxist playbook. This is label your enemies domestically as terrorists. Call them out, purge them from polite society, and complete the transformation. Because we already know they own the culture, they own academia, they own large swaths of the apparatus of our justice system. You can look at the Department of Justice, you can look at the FBI, you can look at the CIA, the NSA, you can look at George Soros and all of the funded um, um, district attorneys and state's attorneys and whatever they're called in, in your neck of the woods all over this country. You can look at every corner of our quote-unquote polite society and see Marxists running the show. And that includes inside the White House, by the way. So I thought, you know, considering that speech was about a week and a half old, right? Like, why talk about it? And you would think that after a week of utter backlash to that speech, right? It wasn't just the MAGA forever crowd going, wait a minute, you know, blah, 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 right? Wasn't that. It was every corner of the political spectrum, with the exception, of course, of MSNBC and CBS and ABC. Even CNN dared to call this out, by the way. You would think that Perhaps you would let that sleeping dog lie. Because I guarantee you nothing will motivate your quote unquote domestic enemy. And I'm about to show you why I use that word or words. Nothing will motivate them more than continuing to do that, right? Continuing to call them a domestic enemy, an enemy of America, right? Nothing will motivate that MAGA forever crowd to the voting booth more than continuing to do that that's not just for 2022 because there's no question this is a strategy for 2024 they're starting that strategy now they're attempting to set up either you're with us and save america or you're against us and america dies that's what they're attempting to set up I would argue, as I have argued quite frequently on this show, that they're saying exactly what is going on in reverse, right? There's nothing more terroristic, if you will, or domestic enemy, if you will, than attempting to rig elections over and over and over again. And we don't need to rehash everything from the 2020 election cycle. But Pat, you would think, right, that after seeing the instantaneous backlash, the harsh backlash, the fact that people were saying, hang on a second, you can't take these words back. There is no going back. And this is from the left. This is from the right. This is from CNN. These are words that cannot be taken back. And you can't, if you wanted to label, let's say, right-wing 
nut jobs that do exist as a threat to this country, you would be correct. Just as the Marxist Antifa set are threats to this country. If you wanted to do that, fine. But you didn't label Antifa as a threat. In fact, just as this was going on, right, Pat? Just as this was going on. And I want to be clear about where we're going with this show. We are going to talk about four or five different topics. And we're going to give critical thoughts on those topics. But just as all of this was going on, just as he's using the military as a backdrop with blood red uh, you know, lighting behind him in one of the most Hitler-esque speeches of all time, just as all of that was going on, what was Antifa doing in Portland, Pat? I'm guessing they were messing some stuff up again. Oh, no, no, not just that. They were out in the streets, armed. Ooh. Out in the streets, openly carrying AR-15s with body armor, masks on, and um, all of the their gear, right? All of their gear on. To intimidate, harass, and commit violence in the name of their political aims, folks. Literally, as this speech was happening, Antifa was committing political violence in the name of leftism in the streets of an American city. We had that happening. And yet, yet... MAGA forever, which I don't like because it's a cult. It is a cult of the Trump personality. I don't like it, but that doesn't mean that it's domestic terrorism. That doesn't mean that it's a threat to our democracy. Authoritarianism is definitely a threat to democracy, but it's coming from both sides. And if you are unwilling to call it out on both sides, what are you creating as the president of the United States? You are creating a powder keg that cannot be undone. Now, Pat, you would think that after that backlash over that powder keg, after that backlash of that horrifically bad speech, you would steer clear of this type of messaging as a president, as a White House, as anybody to do anything with this administration. This would be persona non grata. Do not touch. Don't go there. Avoid, avoid, avoid. Correct? You would think that. Yeah, you would. Well, <clears throat> of course, the that's not exactly what they did, because um, here's Kamala Harris on the anniversary of 9-11 yesterday. Look, we're at the 21st um, marking, if you will, of the September 11th attacks. Yeah. This was a foreign terrorist attacking our democracy, yeah. attacking this country. Yeah. We're now, as a nation, battling a threat from within. Is the threat mm. equal or greater than what we faced after 9-11? That's an interesting question. Um, I have held many elected offices as district attorney, attorney general, senator, now vice president. And there's an oath that we always take, which is to defend and uphold our constitution against all 
enemies, foreign and domestic. We don't compare the two in the oath, but we know they both can exist and we must defend against it. Now, um, Pat, first things first, word salad, of course, is the answer, right? Right. But did you notice she didn't deflect? She didn't say, hang on a second. No, there are no such things as we do not have domestic enemies of of America. We have two competing political ideologies, two complete competing philosophies, one of which happens to somewhat believe in freedom, the other of which is 100% Marxist authoritarian. That's what we have. And it's okay to have that political battle, by the way. Now, my argument would be if you want to go down this road, which one of those two political philosophies is antithetical to the Constitution of the United States of America? Let us have that argument. But after a week and a half almost at this point, over a week, Kamala Harris in an interview with the friendly fire of MSNBC doesn't take the time to say, hold up, I am not talking about people who politically disagree with us, right? She doesn't couch it. She literally believes that you are the enemy and that you have to be defended against. Defend what? You don't believe in the Constitution of the United States of America, Kamala Harris. You don't. If you did, you wouldn't be attempting to do the things that your administration is doing. But am I going to call you a domestic terrorist? Am I going to call you an enemy that must be defeated a la Al-Qaeda? That is what that comparison has been and was in this interview, Pat, right? Right. And notice she answered that question and not answered that. I mean, she 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 answered the question without directly answering the question. I was going to say she answered the question because right. the correct answer to the question would have been to not just deflect the answer. Right. right. It would have been but to stand up and say, I'm not taught. No, 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 no. That is a wrong. That is a wrong premise. Right. That would have been the right answer to that. And that would have put the hopefully put at least to some degree, put that to bed. But no, she, they, they didn't. She answered without answering. Right. She right. answered that question by literally saying anything in response to it. The correct answer is, yeah, I'm not willing to label my political opponents as domestic enemies of our Constitution. Instead, she granted the premise of his argument. That is the answer without answering the question. She answered the question, of course, in her own word salad scrambled way, right? Right. But I want people to understand this. Over the course of the time that we have been away, we have had the president of the United States attempt to label anybody who voted for Donald Trump as an enemy of the state. We have the vice president of the United States of America continuing that rhetoric. And as I said on Twitter, you cannot take it back. There's no take backsies. 
of that type of rhetoric. Violence is wrong, but it is coming. I am telling you that. Because there are going to be the MAGA forever um, morons out there who will get violent. Hear me out. You don't win if you get violent. There is no winning if you get violent. None. You can't win this political argument. We cannot revive liberty. And that's why this podcast, by the way, exists. Not just this one, but reviving liberty. That's why it exists. And it's coming back, um, hopefully this week. But I want you to understand that. It exists because that's how you fight. It exists because it's an internal journey that you become different. You become attractive to other individuals because it is different than the horse pucky we see in our society right now. They are begging for your violence. Don't do it. Be smarter than they are. Because Marxists, which, yes, Kamala Harris is a Marxist. Because Marxists always project their aims and their goals on their enemy. They do this all the time. They create the chaos, they sow the discord, and then they take the power vacuum. You cannot give them what they want. The way to fight is to be different, to stand on principle, and to say no to what they want you to do. Do not get violent. Do not get violent. Violence is not the answer. When Antifa is antagonizing you by coming into the streets, carrying their weapons, looking like the, the brown shirts just in all black of this regime, you do not engage. You point them out, you call them out, and you leave them alone. Because they will look like the extremists that they are. Now, on the flip side of this. Last night, Eric Trump gets on stage. And tells the world what, Pat? You're going to have to answer that one. I didn't watch the news yesterday. Oh, no, I sent you this tweet. This tweet. Oh, you did send me this. Yeah, well, gets then. on stage at a at a Trump rally in Kentucky and says this, quote, there's no one that's done more for Christianity than Donald Trump. No one. Uh, uh, no sure? one. Are you sure? I, I mean, Pat, Pat, I know that we're both Christians, 
And yeah. I'm Catholic and some some evangelicals wouldn't call me Christian and they wouldn't call you Christian. But we're Christian. Right. In fact, your evangelical church wouldn't exist without this one's church. Right. Quite literally. Yes. I'm going to go with this man named Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go with with him having done a, a wee bit more than orange man, Donald Trump. Just 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 a wee bit. You also might uh, throw in, I don't know, the 12 apostles, John the Baptist. You could throw in so even some modern leaders. You could, you could throw in different popes. You could throw in, uh, I don't know, the the presidency of my church. Uh, Other yeah, I was going to say, um, you could there. go I mean, with uh, Emperor um, Constantine. Yes, you could. Um, you could go with, uh, I don't know. Um, I don't know. About Just, I could come up with at least thirty-five to forty names off the top of my head, and Donald Trump would be nary a one of them. What? This is the this is the opposite, right? It, this is the browbeating of Christians into either you support MAGA forever or you're anti-Christian. Done more. No one's done more. For Christianity? How about the pilgrims? In this country. How about George Whitworth? Let's compare Donald Trump to George Whitworth once. Who do you think did more for Christianity? I don't know. The guy that preached to five to seven thousand people in the 1700s? Uh Uh-huh. Who literally, literally, there's not a single person who lived in the colonies in the 1750s, Pat, or in the 1740s, who didn't hear him speak, or Donald Trump. Oh, that's right. You mean the preacher who literally transformed our society in the first great awakening. Are you telling me that Donald Trump's going to lead the third great awakening in this society? Oh, hell no. He ain't. That dog ain't hunting over here. If, if, if Donald Trump is going to be the guy that leads the way of modern Christianity... I'm scared for Christianity. Yeah. And the second coming need to happen like right now. Yeah. If that's the case. Now, speaking of insanity and culture, um, while you were away, Pat. Yeah. Um, y- your religion is racist. Uh, excuse me? Well, didn't you hear what they did to the Duke volleyball player at BYU? What what exactly did they do? Well, uh, they yelled racial slurs over and over and over again at the no, Duke volleyball player. No, and it happened didn't. at a at a BYU home volleyball match. And we all know no, that BYU is full of Mormons. So and therefore, they, your religion nope. is racist. 
Never happened. Wait, what? It never happened. What what didn't happen? The racial slurs, it never happened. It's a hoax, bro. Wait. Wait a minute. Why would a Duke volleyball player and her godmother, yeah, who happens to live in Texas and then went to the match at BYU, yeah, what what why would they make that up, Pat? Are you calling them liars? Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you telling me this did not happen? This did not happen. Are you... oh, wait, wait, wait. So BYU kicked a mentally handicapped individual out of all athletic events for Evs. Yep. And for what? Nothing. Wait, 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 wait. But they pointed him out as the perpetrator of racial slurs. Which didn't happen. What? It didn't happen. It's a hoax, bro. So are you suggesting that um, a far leftist Uh created a racial hoax? Wait, 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 wait. Where have we heard this before? This is not the first time, and it's not the first time. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on a second. Chicago. Maga hats. Oh, Jesse Smollett. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh, oh. Are you suggesting that this is uh, a Jesse Smollett on the volleyball court? Yeah. Yeah, I am. I am suggesting that completely. In my own freaking backyard, by the way. Yeah, this happened like what forty miles away from you? No, no, it's not even that. It's like twenty minutes. I, I just. We live and correct me if I'm wrong, Pat, but like 15, 16 years ago, the Duke Athletic Department was a victim of one of the biggest racial hoaxes of all time. So this happened twice. Correct me if I'm wrong, right? I mean, there was this like whole entire program. The, the the Duke lacrosse team. Uh-huh. Six players on that team accused of sexual molestation, assault against two black strippers that were there to entertain at a party. And correct me if I'm wrong. Duke <clears throat> Invested in the office space, jump to conclusions, Matt. Suspended the program, which, by the way, was the number one program in the country at the time. Fired the head coach, basically, even though he had literally bupkis to do with any of it. Suspended the program, 
the prosecutor had ambitions to become the governor of the state of North Carolina, saw it as an opportunity to politically push himself up the ladder, a la Kamala Harris, without the, uh, without the getting on the knees. And um, it was all a hoax. Yeah, they, they literally have no evidence. You would think they would be hypersensitive to, I don't know, the truth, proof before allegation. You, you would think. You, you would think that um, they would have uh, divested from the jump to conclusions, Matt. You would think. You would think they would be a defender of the truth especially BYU especially especially when you've been a victim and literally killed an entire program over completely made up allegations you would think so uh is there going to be a lawsuit here? Because there probably should be. If I am BYU, and if I am that student, by the way, or non-student, he was, he was a community member. If I, I am that so, non-student, yeah. I am suing the shit out of that player, out of that player's godmother who spread that lie on Twitter, and I'm suing the shit out of the Duke Athletic Department. Because BYU, BYU did the right thing, uh, in my view, of temporarily taking some action. Because those allegations are serious, by the way. Right. right. I, that's fair. And then doing an investigation. And then after, after the results of that investigation, reinstating his ability to attend. Because he did nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with that. This is not the court of law. Right. So, okay. so the standards of of innocent until proven guilty don't exist. But when you do do an investigation. And it proves that there was nothing to the allegations, you correct the mistake. BYU did the right thing. They took the allegations seriously. They did the investigation and they were transparent about the findings. They're, They're literally online. You can. Read the entire thing if you want. If I'm BYU, though, I think I would give this gentleman uh, free season tickets to everything. Four hours. Forever. Yeah. Just just, just to be like, please don't sue us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think he has a leg to stand on. Well, not with maybe BYU, not with but for Duke? Mm. Oh, oh yeah. hell yes, he does. Because it's a public accusation. Of a private citizen, by the way. This isn't a public figure. This was a private citizen. Y'all about to find out what it's like to be... uh, You're going to think twice. Let's just put it that way. About a racial hoax again. If if this individual is smart, because this is such a high-profile case, if there's a lawyer out there who's smart, they take this case on pro bono just to stop this shit. Right. Because you would think after, I don't know, Nick Sandman, 
after Duke lacrosse, after all these things, time and again, after the defamation lawsuits, after the millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of dollars that have been paid out in these types of situations, you would think twice before backing these allegations up. There's a way for Duke to have done this, by the way, Pat, in my view. Mm. Having been in athletic departments, having been around athletic departments, the way to have done this is we are working in concert with BYU to address the allegations at hand, and we look forward to finding out um, the findings of that investigation. Until then, we stand by our players and our coaches, and we will work with them. That's it. And then once the allegations were proven to be false, you do something about the player and the godmother who who perpetrated this hoax. The answer is, you are fired. You do not get to play in a Duke uniform. And here's how you handle that. After the investigation has proven the allegations to have been completely false, we stand by truth, integrity, whatever you want to put, whatever adjectives you want to use in that area. But you talk about integrity, truth, honesty. That's what Duke Athletics stands for. And as victims of previous hoaxes, we take this seriously, and we cannot allow for that to be associated with us. As a result, this individual has been stripped of their athletic scholarship, has been um, expelled from the university, and we wish them well in their future endeavors. See you later. Number one. You absolve yourself of liability because of both situations, right? Because you've said we await the we await the results of the investigation, so you've insulated yourself there. Number two, you have proven that you took substantive action against the individual who perpetrated that hoax. Thus, the liability shifts off of you, shifts to that those two individuals, And more importantly, you send a message to the American public that truth and integrity matter. There's nothing courageous, nothing um, honest about what went on there. Nothing. And what do we know furthering that investigation? The godmother is, a, is an absolute racist. Uh, all you have to do is look at her Twitter before it got locked up. Before she put it private, it is full of anti-white racism, full of it, like some of the most disgusting stuff you can think of. So would it be surprising that they would do a, a, a hoax? No. Furthering what? Racial grievances? For what? Personal gain? That's disgusting on all levels. I can't know the motivations necessarily, but I can tell you the external motivations seem to be those things. Because what? She's running for elected office in Texas. She can play a victim and win, right? 
But in the aftermath of this, what was Duke's actual response, Pat? Um, what well, actually, what was their response? I don't know if I ever got that to stand the by the player. And how dare anybody question the character of our players? Yes, I am questioning the character of your player. I am definitely questioning it because there's no evidence that the thing that she said that somebody said. And let's be clear about this. That area was heavily mic'd up. That was on TV on BYU TV and ESPN, by the way. Nobody has film of it. Nobody has anything to say from the BYU student section. Not a single person. Because here's the rub on this, right? What if they banned the entire BYU student section? As a result of this. You think people would be coming forward if this were true? Hell yeah, they would. Because they would want to go back. Right? Oh, no, no, no. That was that individual. That wasn't me. That wasn't any of the rest of us. And why does this story matter? My critical thought on this story mattering is because our culture is so sick that we are, we're going to believe every single time that this happens. We're going to believe. we got to rush to the judgment. Why? We're afraid of what leftists are going to call you if you dare not bend the knee. That's what this is about. Bend the knee. That's what almost every one of these stories is about. Bend the knee to leftism or else. The Sanctuary City stories that I don't know if we're going to have time to get to today. Right, where we watch Lori Lightfoot and DC mayor and the DC councilwoman um, suddenly, how dare you uh, bring illegal immigrants into our? And now you know where a border town deals with every single day. It is really easy to be a sanctuary city thousands of miles away or a thousand miles away. It's really easy to say, we're just so welcoming. You sure as hell weren't welcoming of that bus load or bus loads full of <clears throat> those migrants that need care and love and support. You, you, you suddenly don't care or love or support them in any way, shape, or form, right? But bend the knee I mean, to their sanctuary city talk, right? Bend the knee until you're confronted in your face. That is why that story matters to me, Pat, because the critical thought here in that story, in that Sanctuary City story, is this. Confrontation works. There is a difference between confrontation and violence, by the way. What Greg Abbott, what the Arizona governor is doing, right? Greg Abbott from Texas, and I forget the Arizona, is it Ducey? Is he Arizona governor right now? But that's being term limited, uh, yeah, right? That sounds right, yeah. What they are doing by busing these immigrants to sanctuary cities all throughout this country, not just a political stunt, by the way, it is direct cultural confrontation. It is direct confrontation of the ideology of the leftists. 
You want to tell us that this, 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 and this is what you believe? Prove it. That's, that's all they're saying. Prove it. Here you go. We're going to give you all the illegal immigrants you can handle and then some. Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's, it's only racist if uh, you actually send those illegal immigrants to, to places to where, they, yeah, where they promote sanctuary cities and stuff like that. It's only racist when you do that. It's not racist, however, for border towns and states like Texas and Arizona. They, they must take any and all legal immigrants um, for the sake of uh, elections. Yeah, and I mean, we, we could almost yeah. do an entire podcast on this topic alone. What right. was going on, the insanity of the response of the leftists in D.C. and here in Chicago. But I think there's one story that we, maybe two stories we have left. Queen Elizabeth and Eliza Fletcher. Which one do you want to take on? Um, Queen Elizabeth II, by the way, not Queen Elizabeth right. I. Uh, let's do, um, let's do Queen Elizabeth really quick and okay. then, and then get into Cause sure. I, 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 the Eliza Fletcher story, I think is there's been some interesting, um, things said about that story, I think. So, um, w- with Queen Elizabeth though, I question here because I, I think I've seen both extremes on, on, on the socials where, you know, we're, we're not a monarchy. Why? Why do we care if the queen died or not? Or versus, the queen died. God save the queen and practically worshiping the monarchy. I, I, I've seen it go both ways. Um, should we care? On a human to human level, I think so. Right? Sure, I, mean, I, I don't disagree there. There's no denying the importance that she held. Can can you show respect in death and also show respect that, you know, hey, you know, she was a great ally for our country and uh, a world-renowned leader? Sure. I think you can do that, too. Yeah, and I would argue that's that's the that's the realization here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. great. But the problem with most Americans, or the problem that I have is most Americans worship the ground the monarchy walks on. Right. That's Which my is so weird to me on multiple levels. Do you, they do realize we fought an entire war at the founding of this country to not be part of a monarchy, right? Say that again? We fought an entire war yep. mm-hmm. to not be part of a monarchy. And yet I can argue that we kind of do have one here in the United States of America. Is it is it a monarchy or is it more of an oligarchy type type deal? Well, what I mean by a monarchy is um, all hail Hollywood. Oh yeah, okay, that's fair. It's it's a cultural, it's a monarchy, cultural monarchy. Yeah. yeah, but the sickness of which people dancing on the grave. Um, I, I can't abide either. There's a difference between being indifferent to her death and celebrating her death. Do you notice, by the way, who was celebrating her death or whom celebrated her death? 
Um, the far, far left mm-hmm. and the far, far right. Why? Because they're the same side, or they're two sides of the same exact coin. Right. Y'all be sick. You can recognize that she was an ally to the United States of America. More importantly, um, one of the most stout leaders of traditional um, Christianity, by the way. Most people don't know that. She was very devout in her religious belief. Now, you could also make an argument that the public um, way in which the monarchy lived its life under her reign was not good, right? Because every little foible, every little bad thing that was going on became ta- tabloid fodder for the last, my entire life, right? Uh, yeah, Princess Diana. Right, and, you know, her sons have not exactly been um, fine, upstanding human beings in any way, shape, or form. Uh, specifically Charles. Uh, Andrew, um, Prince Andrew, um, uh, yeah, the, the pedophile, yeah, uh, Jeffrey Epstein's, Jislyn uh, Maxwell's uh, best friend, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, all of that having been said, it's still, I mean, there's no denying somebody who rules for that long is going to be an important loss to that society. You can recognize that while saying, yeah, I don't care about the monarchy. Yeah. As an American, if you worship the ground the monarchy walks on, you don't understand what it is to be an American. And that's just my view. And by the way, Pat, I also had this view and and this uh, kind of a similar conversation with my wife over the weekend. So we had gone to uh, a um, Eurofest at one of the Greek um, Orthodox churches here in in Chicago over the weekend. Uh And by the way, Peanut butter and jelly euros. Holy crap. What? Yeah, I, I, I said the same thing. So they had that like makes... um, a euro sampler platter. Uh-huh. You could get a Caribbean jerk um, with like pineapple pico de gallo, a peanut butter and jelly euro, a barbecue euro, and a German euro. Which is basically just euros with sauerkraut. The German euro, yeah, unbelievably good. Euro meat and sauerkraut totally work together. I, I'm I'm not a huge sauerkraut guy, so I don't know that I would enjoy that one. But I mean, I'd at least try it. Yeah, it's fantastic. The peanut butter and jelly one, unbelievable. But that's not the story. The story is, as we are walking home, what, what is happening in four days, Pat, from today? F- for, from, from today? Yep. What, what, See, date, what date on the calendar would that be? That would be, what, September 16th? Right. And what is September 16th? Uh, it's Friday. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, September 16th. There, there's a uh, country the to the south of us. Is, is it is it is it Mexico? Yep, it's Mexican it? Independence Day. Ah, uh, okay, okay. So here in Chicago, 
we're walking home from the the Eurofest, right? Yeah. There are like four or five vehicles blasting like traditional Mexican folk music yeah. with Mexican flags like hanging out the sunroofs or out the side of the vehicles, right? Okay. And, and I oh, I got into this one with uh with Mrs. Coppins. Uh, because I don't understand this. So I there's a difference between celebrating your culture and celebrating this, right? So like if we were so because both of us are heavily Irish, right? Right. Celebrating St. Patrick's Day is about celebrating the Irish culture, celebrating St. Patrick, who's one of the greatest uh, figures in in history, especially Irish history, probably saved that civilization. Let's be honest. Now, You're welcome, by the way. <laughs> yeah, not you. <laughs> um, definitely not you. But there's a difference between celebrating that and then let's go out and spend all day celebrating Irish Independence Day. I'm not Irish, first of all. And second of all, I live and am a citizen of the United States of America. Right. Okay. If you live and are the citizen of the United States of America and you're celebrating Mexican Independence Day, what are you celebrating? It's not a cultural thing. It's not like, okay, so Cinco de Mayo is definitely a, a, an American thing. But it wouldn't. It would be like uh, the Day of the Dead or some of the other cultural things right. that are celebrated in Mexico. Totally get it, right? Celebrating your culture and where you come from is one thing, right? But if you immigrated from Mexico to here and you are an American, why do you celebrate the Independence Day of another country? I I won't ever get that as an American. And my wife was like, well, yeah, but expats all over the world celebrate American Independence Day when, when they don't live in America. Right, but they're American citizens, right? So if you were a Mexican, let's say you were born here in America and your culture is Mexican, right? Are you celebrating the Independence Day of a country that you have no ties to other than culturally? That's weird to me. That's really weird to me. And it speaks to the cultural rot of our society. Because are they also celebrating American Independence Day? Or is it just an excuse for them to create mayhem and, you know, all the bull crap that goes along with it? And if so, you're, you really don't care about your heritage. It's just a thing to look cool. And if you're gonna if you're gonna celebrate your hair, I mean, you you have to uh, accept the good and the bad of that heritage, and right, accept just as that, we do. Hey, with Americans we, with we Americans heritage, right. right? Yeah, I just I I don't know, Pat. Maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, but it bothers me. Like, why? What? Why? You live in America. You don't live in Mexico. Most importantly, most of these people probably have never been to Mexico. You don't live in Great Britain either. Right. So why are you celebrating a monarchy? Why are you celebrating that culture? It, it's one thing to be fascinated by it. Well, it's to it's, learn about it. I can understand but, celebrating your heritage and your culture from that right. heritage. I understand right. that. 
but politically celebrating the independence of a country that you have no ties to other than somebody somewhere down your line, right? Be like right. celebrating Belgian Independence Day or being part of a, a Flemish uh, separatist group while living here in America. I also don't get the Irish separatists or the uh, the American IRA fighters. By the way, the IRA is a bunch of socialists. Surprise, surprise. Right. That's be that's why the Irish were celebrating the Queen dying. By the way, the IRA celebrated it because they are socialist and she was antithetical to everything. Now it's also because of the British, but but it's because she was antithetical to everything they stood for. They stand for socialism. They literally want Marxism in Ireland. That's what the IRA stands for. Do you see us celebrating the IRA? Hell no. Do I support Irish independence? Yes. Yes, I do. There's a difference between that and celebrating the IRA. Jerry Adams' birthday, Pat. Let's go ahead and celebrate that. Say what? You that, that would be insane. Irish Independence Day, when is it? Neither of us know. Because it's not... It, it shouldn't care. be something that we care about as Americans. We need to identify as Americans first. And I mean that from a perspective of philosophy, idealism, understanding the ideals that make America, that made the, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, that made it up. That is the thing that should be binding us culturally i don't see that i see it being torn apart i see it being tossed to the side i see it being bastardized by the left attempted to to retell history in a way that doesn't actually exist right and that's what marxism has to do it has to tear down the foundation right Now, speaking of foundations, is the Eliza Fletcher story out of Memphis. And then what, 24, 48 hours later, the, the 11 people shot uh, in some random shooting spree by somebody in Memphis? So I was, I, I was out of town, right? And, and when I, whenever I go out of town, I, I tend to just completely unplug. And so people I would know suggest of, that you are unplugged when you are uh, in town, Pat. Oh, shut up. So I know of the Eliza Fletcher story. I, I've not like dug too deep into this. Um, I've heard some commentary about it. You know, I, I, I don't know enough to necessarily have my own thoughts or anything on it as of yet. But but I do have a question here. Mm hmm. In regards to because I heard I, and I don't remember who it was that I heard say this, but is this story of Eliza Fletcher is should this be our supposed George Floyd story, or is that going too far? Define our. I I that's 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 part of the problem. I don't know that I can. 
So I don't disagree with the sentiment that this is <clears throat> something that should be socially galvanizing, right? Because, right. okay, so what was George Floyd, the story really about? It was about galvanizing a culture, a society against what? Police brutality and racism, right? Sure. At the end of the day, regardless, by the way, of the actual truth of what took place. Now, was there police brutality? Absolutely. But did that actually lead to his death? I think you can make the argument that, I don't know, being absolutely high out of his mind and already in cardiac and respiratory distress is what killed him. Now, the, the move of the individual who, uh, was it Derek Chauvin? Yeah. And now the move that Derek Chauvin did contributed for sure. But the, the reason why I, I like the analogy is because this is universally, whether you're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, purple, brown, yellow, green, orange, whatever. Identify as a human, a pig, a goat, a cow, a centaur, whatever. This is a universal story. You should be able to go out on a run and not have to worry about being brutally raped and murdered in almost broad daylight. It's just that simple. That's what happened to Eliza Fletcher, 38-year-old mother of two, teacher, living in the city of Memphis because she's from the city of Memphis and has pride in the city of Memphis, stalked, brutally assaulted, murdered, body dumped, All because she was going out for a jog. Nothing. Totally a random act. Right? The galvanizing moment is this. Right? As a culture. As a society. This is about culture. This is a story about a culture that is sick. A society that is sick because their culture is sick. Because the individual who committed this act has... 16 prior convictions and arrests. The last of which was what, Pat? Attempted murder. Served, well, didn't even serve, convicted for two years, sentenced for two years, of which he served less than one. This is about culture. This is about the galvanizing moment that should be what was the George Floyd galvanizing thing, right? The the defund police and and uh, police racism, right? And, and and all those things. So I ask this: when you are talking about this Eliza Fletcher story, when you are talking about the stories of multiple people who have had similar things happen to them. When you are talking about what is going on here in the city of Chicago, where, Pat, since 2020, no fewer 
then 53, if not 54, I can't remember where we're told where we actually sit on this number. 53 people who were charged with either gun or violent crime, whether that ranged from armed robbery to murder or assault to murder, 53 in less than two years. They were let out on no bail or small cash bail in electronic monitoring to commit crime violently again before they get to trial for their first violent crime offense. In fact, I think 25 or 27 of those 53 did it within a week. They went right back to doing what they were doing. They went right back to the lifestyle. They went right back to committing crime, violent crime, killing, murdering, raping, violent assault. All over the city, by the way. From the far north to the far south side. If this is not a galvanizing moment for that movement of anti-George Soros prosecutions, prosecutors, if this isn't a galvanizing moment to say criminals who do not show progress, criminals who are violent, we must be tough on. If this isn't a galvanizing moment, you can't even go out for a jog now. You can't even go out and train for a marathon without having to worry as to whether or not you're going to be raped and murdered. Now you have to have a buddy system. What would have happened to those two individuals? Would they have both been raped and murdered? All because... We're not just soft on crime. We're soft on criminals. We can't even recognize those that are committing violent crimes as people that don't belong in polite society until they can prove it. And it's not just doing your time. That's the thing that we, we miss, and we have talked about this in the past, right? Right. So this is why this is the George Floyd type of a story because this is that moment in which maybe there is a movement and we've seen um, all across this country this weekend people took up all across this country and finished Eliza Fletcher's run that's one way of protesting right that's one way of saying screw you you're not going to intimidate the rest of us but I also know people who run early in the morning who take extra precautions and extra steps now because of this But how galvanizing of a moment will this be? Will people coalesce? Will people throw out leftist culture because of this? I don't know. But clearly, clearly, we are allowing a massive increase. In Memphis, they've set record in 2020, record in 2021, and are on pace to reset that record for a third year in a row for the number of murders. In that city. And we're not even talking about a small increase. We're talking 20, 30, 40% increases. We're seeing violent crime up all over this country. Now, Pat, I'm going to play for you something that you haven't seen yet. 
because this was an ad that aired yesterday here in the Chicago area. Um, because both J.B. Pritzker and Lori Lightfoot are up for re-election. So our governor and the mayor here in Chicago are up for re-election. I just want you to watch this ad. It's 15 seconds, and I want your raw reaction when we come back. Wow. Um, not what I expected. Now, uh, there is a longer version of this ad, too, by the way. Certainly a very freaky ad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that, that should scare the crap out of you. And given the fact of what's going on in Chicago on, what, a day-to-day basis? And... You have leadership like Lightfoot and Pritzker that have done little to nothing to combat these kinds of things. I'm telling you right now, this is the most important and effective political ad that you're going to see in the 2022 election cycle. And in fact, what I would be doing here now, this is a pack. This isn't um, the Dan Bailey or Darren Bailey, excuse me, um, right. campaign. But if I am doing this this is a national thing i'm doing this in every major city across this country i am showing the most violent broad daylight i am showing as little of that attack as possible right but i'm showing enough of it so that people understand this is what's happening in your neighborhood because lakeview is one of the most affluent parts of this city multi-million dollar homes right um, single family homes to high rises to, you know, $700,000, um, you know, two bedroom condos. It's a very affluent, very liberal part of the city and broad daylight. Nobody comes out of their home. Nobody calls the cops. Nobody does anything. Four individuals just, she's just randomly walking down the street. They just stop the car and attack her. In broad daylight? If that's not a galvanizing moment, that's why I'm talking about this Eliza Fletcher from a galvanizing moment. You can't even walk down the street? Now, what are the chances of it happening? It doesn't matter. It should never be a thing that happens. But it happens way more frequently than people would like to let on. All across the country, this type of an ad should be running from California to New York City to D.C. to Baltimore to Florida. Wherever this type of crap is happening, these ads should be running and they should be running until it stops. Until these prosecutors are thrown out of office, recalled, just run out on a rail. Virtual tar and feathering is what I am calling for. These people should not be comfortable. This is confrontation, by the way. This ad is confrontational. 
right? You can't get more confrontational than, hey, by the way, see this, this, this awful, awful assault, right? You see it. Pritzker and Lightfoot, you've allowed this to happen. This is happening on your watch. Why? Because you're not, you're not tough on crime in any way, shape, or form. And I'm not suggesting we go back to the 94 crime bill. That's not what I'm suggesting. But I am suggesting that those that we do know to be violent criminals are treated appropriately. That's it. That's a bare minimum. This should be the messaging of the GOP. Team GOP, this is your message. You don't even have to do anything else in the 2022 election. This is your message. All across the country, Democrats have done this in every city in America. And the message is, if they're going to do that in the cities, the next thing they're going to target is the suburbs. And they've already done it. Philadelphia's suburbs are taken over by these people. St. Louis, the suburbs are taken over by these George Soros type prosecutors. The same thing's happening in Chicago. The same thing is happening all over the country. That is the message that you take to them. If you continue down this path, this is the result. Because it's cultural rot, because it's societal rot, and because Marxism is at the root of all of it. You want to know how drag queen story hours turned into three-year-olds learning how to tip a drag queen who then twerks in front of that three-year-old? You want to know how it happens? Marxism. It is at the root of everything. It is the root of the rot of this society. And if we're not serious about taking it on, and if the GOP isn't serious about taking it on, they deserve everything that's coming their way. Everything. That's why this ad is important. This type of an ad can run in every major city in this country. And it's a message you must bring to the suburbs, to that college-educated white liberal who doesn't like Donald Trump, right? Oh, you don't like Donald Trump. You don't like mean tweets. Do you like the results of this prosecutor? Do you like not being able to even jog down your street without worry of being an Eliza Fletcher? Do you like this, this thing right here happening to you? Because it's happening more and more frequently all across this country. That's the message that wins, by the way. That's it. You don't, you don't need to do anything else. You don't even need to talk about the economy. Talk about their safety, their personal safety. Talk about how electing these types of prosecutors, electing these types of quote-unquote law enforcement or justice officials results in this. And if you stop electing these individuals, you have a chance to stop this from happening to you. That is the only message Team GOP needs to win. And I'm talking winning big. I'm talking taking the Senate, which would be helpful, by the way. Let's be real about this. I'm not a big fan of Team GOP because I know what's going to happen down the road. But if you need to stop, if you want to stop in its tracks, the Marxists, if you want to stop in its tracks, the spirit of the age, right, Pat? How do you do it? You stop 
the mechanism by which they're using. And the mechanism is our government right now. You stop one of the three parts from having any control, any control. And then you get vigilant the next time around about rooting out the Marxists that exist in the GOP. Then you get about the culture, which is what the Daily Wire and other places are doing, right? Then you get about the church. You do these things simultaneously. But if you can control one of the three big apparatuses of this de decaying culture, you have a shot. If you don't, it's over. It is over. It's just that simple. And you're... You're not going to like anything that comes down the pipeline in the next three to five years. I, I tell you this right now. If you were to go to go into a coma today and, and Team GOP does not win in 2022, not just 2024. 2024 is a lost cause as far as I'm concerned unless Ron DeSantis wins. But if they don't, they don't get this control... In D.C. because it is coming from the top down now. It's not the bottom up anymore. It's coming from the top down. If you can't cut that off, it's over. If you were to wake up five years from now, you're in a coma. Wake up five years from now, you'll have no clue what just happened. I am telling you right now, the purge of people who dare to think differently, dare to actually defend classical liberty... The purge of people like you and me, the people who dare to speak up for liberty. You won't be able to bank. You'll be purged. You won't be able to access money. You'll be purged. You won't be able to, to run a business. You will be purged. And by George, where are you going? What are you doing if you can't do those things? It ends ugly, folks. That's why taking these prosecutors on, taking this on, and having this moment, this George Floyd moment, matters. That was Daniel Horowitz's argument here. And that's my argument, too, is that this is why this moment matters, because this is a galvanizing cultural moment, just like George Floyd was for the left. This is our opportunity to say, no mas, no more, we're not taking it. We're done with leftist prosecutors. We're done with criminality being the norm. You know, when, when my wife and I, we had about a mile and a half walk back because the bus system is terrible on Saturdays here in, in Chicago. And taking the train is not an option either because at night, yeesh, no, no bueno. But as we're walking that mile and a half back, um, to to our home. I'm looking over my shoulder at every opportunity because I don't know what's going to happen. That's not fun. You don't know where it's coming from. You have no idea. So put the phones away. It's, you know, be alert. And it's making sure that we're walking side by side and, and not front and back. And we shouldn't have to worry about that, especially in the area that we live in, in this city. It's insane. It's utterly insane.
So folks, I am telling you right now, this is that moment. This Eliza Fletcher moment is that galvanizing moment. And if you don't take the opportunity to do something culturally, politically, morally about it, you are going to rue that day. Your final thoughts, Pat. Well, uh, <clears throat> don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And uh, what a time to be alive. And holy crap for our first Monday back. Please be smart. Be safe. Be kind. As always, Matthew 547. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.